I invite you to join me in Philippians, please, as our Wednesday night series takes us verse by verse through this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, we will begin by reading verses 12 through 20. Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill, The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. As a reminder, this is one of Paul's prison epistles, as they are called. Paul is under house arrest in Rome at this time. I don't know if there are truly any reliable dates out there that we can solidly affix to all of this, But I tried to see, and I would say a general consensus would be that Paul wrote this letter some 24 years after he was saved, some 10 years after he established the church in Philippi. After Paul was saved on the road to Damascus, he was immediately called to preach. And he said, I immediately conferred not with flesh and blood, neither did I go up to Jerusalem, but Paul instead was for three years in a time of learning. That's a whole other thing. But then after that, after his conversion, three years from that, Paul did go up to Jerusalem and he met with Peter. And he met with him for 15 days. In time, Paul was led to Antioch, go north out of Jerusalem a ways. He was led to Antioch up there in Syria. And he planted himself in a great church. Amen. Something every child of God should do. He planted himself there and he served in a great church. Antioch truly was a great church. And it was from the church in Antioch that Paul was called to go on these missionary journeys. I would say approximately nine years Paul was journeying coming back to Antioch, going to Jerusalem and reporting and coming back and going. And for nine years, he takes these trips. He heads westward through the Roman Empire, establishing churches everywhere God would allow him to. During these journeys, Paul had some unusual experiences. He had some pretty amazing experiences. and He had some very painful experiences along the way. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 28 he wrote, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, 
in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He went through a lot, amen? During this period, while he's out there on these missionary journeys, enduring, enduring, enduring. And while Paul was in Lystra, the Bible says certain Jews came out of a town called Antioch, which is a different Antioch from where he was sent out of. They came from an Antioch located in Pisidia and also from Iconium. And they persuaded the people against Paul. And they actually convinced them to stone Paul. And they drug him out of the city thinking he was dead. Then he rose up. And guess what? He went right back in the city. By the way, in our nation we've seen a lot of riots. You'll often hear reports about how a lot of those are caused and stirred up by people from out of town. It happened back then. It's happening now. There's nothing new under the sun. When Paul and Silas were imprisoned in Philippi, they experienced God's deliverance. At midnight, they prayed. They began to sing praises to God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake and their bands fell off. The doors opened and they were freed miraculously. While going through the Isle of Paphos, Paul looked at a sorcerer called Elimus who was seeking to turn a man from the faith. Paul is working with this man, trying to lead him to the Lord. And this other sorcerer comes in and he wants to derail that. And Paul looked at him and said, Oh, fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, Will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell upon him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. In Lystra, Paul looked at a crippled man who had never walked in his life. And he said with a loud voice, Stand upright upon thy feet. And he leaped and he walked. In Philippi, Paul being grieved with a woman with a spirit of divination who followed him around the city crying out day after day, he finally turned to her and he said to the spirit within her, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. The Bible says he came out the same hour. While in Ephesus, the Bible says in Acts 19, 11 and 12, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. While in Troas, Paul preached a marathon sermon. You remember that? They had broken bread together. I don't know what time of day that happened. I suspect it was evening time. 
Paul begins to preach. He preaches till midnight, till Eutychus decides to fall asleep. And being in a deep sleep, the Bible says he falls from the third floor. I don't know if that's a warning not to fall asleep in church or not to preach long. But we'll just say both, amen? Well, Paul runs down and he falls upon him, embraces him. He says, hey, don't worry, his life is in him. And he comes back to life. Guess what happened after that? Paul preached until the sun rose. (laughs) I wonder if anybody else fell asleep. Amen. (laughs) After being shipwrecked, Paul made his way to land. It happened to be the Isle of Melita. While Paul was gathering a bundle of firewood to put on the fire, a viper comes out, having warmed itself around the fire there, and fastened himself, the Bible says, to Paul's hand, and he shakes off the beast. Shakes him off into the fire, and everyone's amazed, thinking that he should have died suddenly, and the Bible says he felt no harm. While there, the chief man on the island named Pubilus, his father was sick. He, the Bible says he had a fever and of a bloody flux, which most likely means he had dysentery. And if you ever played the Oregon Trail... <laughs> you know that's a bad thing. But the Bible says Paul prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. And there's a lot more we could draw out about Paul's missionary journeys and what all he saw. Just amazing things. Great power through him. He seemed to be unstoppable for about nine years of just serving God, going through great torments, and just pressing on. God's hand was upon him everywhere he went. The gospel was spreading all over the place. Churches were being established in cities across the what's known today as Turkey and even a little bit further west. The beatings, the stoning, the imprisonments, the near-death experiences, the shipwrecks, and all the perils that he mentioned going through, the labors, the hunger, the thirst all the weariness and pain, it never stopped Paul. He just kept on and and nothing would seem to sideline him. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.11, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. But now, as Paul writes this letter, To the Philippians, he's under house arrest in Rome. He isn't freely traveling about. He isn't free to do what he had been doing. He isn't out actively planting churches. He isn't out traveling from city to city, spreading the gospel. He's not being miraculously freed. None of those things are happening. And yet, he had seen all of this before. Now, he believed it was God's will for him to go to Rome. I understand all that, but I'm trying to establish here that Paul, who had been going and going and and all these years for nearly a decade, had been doing all this work, all of a sudden, it kind of looks like the brakes have been put on. It would seem that he's been sidelined, if you will. And I believe after that many years of serving the Lord the way he was and And all that he saw and and was able to report about that his fame 
would have grown. You know, this would have been the guy preachers want to call. Can I get on your calendar? Can you make it to our church for a special conference? I mean, this was the guy you wanted, amen? If somebody falls asleep, he'll heal him, amen? And so, this is the guy you wanted. But now we see him stuck. What has happened to the great Apostle Paul? God isn't using Paul the way he once did. Christians at that time in history were under severe persecution. They were literally being killed in public for their faith in very torturous ways. Ways that I don't think we can imagine. I mean, just some sick things that they were doing to Christians. And now, one of their heroes of the faith, if you will, is in prison. His fate is uncertain. Do you reckon this would have been a blow to early Christianity? Learning that Paul, who had been freed before, been in prisons oft, is now stuck for two years under house arrest. Men couldn't stop him. The devils tried. They couldn't stop him. Now he's waiting to stand trial before one of the wickedest men who have ever lived, Nero. I think it could have been very disheartening to learn of this. I can see some getting down and out. I can hear chatter about how the end must be near and boy, the Lord's returning soon. I can imagine some thinking, if this is the great Apostle Paul's fate, What's going to happen to me and my family as we seek to serve the Lord? But let's take note here of what Paul writes to these Philippian believers as he encourages them to press on in the midst of their own tribulations, in the midst of their own persecutions. Look at verse 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Wow. Paul was such a mature Christian. Amen. There's no hint of woe is me. And yet, he recognizes being under house arrest, not knowing what the end's going to bring in Rome. And he can say, I know God is in control. He understood And he gave himself to the sovereignty of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? He he trusted God's working in his life no matter the circumstances he found himself in. And maybe Paul would have been tempted to say, Lord, you've gotten me out of this, 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 and that. No. He's content. We'll see that later on in this book, but... He's fine with how God is working through him and in him. Despite his... Listen, when you know somebody who's constantly able to go and go and all of a sudden they're sidelined, it's kind of bothersome. And no doubt Paul's sitting there going, I'm used to doing, I'm used to going, I'm used to planting churches and being busy. And yet here he is and he's trusting God. And and now he wants these Philippian believers to understand how God is always at work. 
And I believe God, because it's recorded for us, He wants us to understand this. So Paul says, understand this. The things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul wants them to know, look, Satan's not getting the advantage here. It may look that way, but that's not what's happening. And although the circumstances may not look the best outwardly, God makes no mistakes. And God's purposes are always good. And God's timing is always right. Paul's situation did not catch God by accident. But rather, God had a purpose in it all. Paul is under persecution for preaching the gospel. And Israel hated him for it. He got arrested in Jerusalem, if you remember. He's under house arrest for preaching. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Paul understood that was that came with the territory. Reaching the lost and discipleship was everything to Paul. The cause of Christ was greater than his own personal rights and freedoms. If God wanted to put Paul in jail in order to promote the cause of Christ and to invigorate other Christians to serve God more fervently by looking at Paul as an example, then for Paul, God was free to do so. But what if God were to say to you, I will use your life mightily. I will use you in a great way, but I'm going to have to put you in jail to do it. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to trade your own freedoms for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel? Would you be able to say, not my will, but thine be done? Can you give your life for the cause of Christ? For Paul, it was a no-brainer. Now, to be fair, Paul was not married. He had no children. This is why he said in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, For I would that all men were even as I myself. Paul gave his opinion that for the sake of the gospel, if one decides to remain unmarried, that there's nothing wrong with that. And he goes on to say this, that those who are married shall, quote, have trouble in their flesh. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 and 33, Paul said, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Paul was not saying you shouldn't marry. But he did understand the benefit of not having the weight of the cares of a family in the midst of the ministry that God had called him to. He understood that. He said, every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. He knew God called certain people to do it and others to not. Bottom line is this. God is not calling us to be foolish. 
And God wants every man to care for his family. Amen. Therefore, I would say for any of you zealous folks that might be out there tonight, don't force yourself into this situation. Don't go commit a crime so you can go to jail and preach. That would be foolish. But live your life for God and give yourself for the cause of Christ. And then if God sees fit to use your life in like manner as Paul, could you do it? I'm preaching myself. I don't know. I mean, I got four kids. I got a wife. Could I just say, yes, Lord, whatever you want. Can you do that? By the way, there have been plenty of married, married men with children who have gone to jail for preaching the gospel. I was thinking of John Bunyan in the 1600s. John Bunyan was arrested for preaching the gospel without a license. You know how long he spent in jail? Twelve years for preaching. He had a wife. He had four kids from a wife that died. He had just gotten married to a new wife. She was expecting. And he goes to jail. But it did not deter his mission in life. And I know we're not supposed to take things from Wikipedia, but here you go. As Bunyan refused to agree to give up preaching, his period of imprisonment eventually extended to 12 years and brought great hardship to his family. Elizabeth, who had made strenuous attempts to obtain his release, had been pregnant when her husband was arrested, and she subsequently gave birth prematurely to a stillborn child. Left to bring up four stepchildren, one of whom was blind, she had to rely on the charity of Bunyan's fellow members of the Bedford, Bedford meeting and other supporters on what little her husband could earn in jail by making shoelaces. But Bunyan remained resolute. Oh, I saw in this condition, I was a man who was pulling down his house upon the head of his wife and children, yet thought I, I must do it. I must do it. He chose the persecution which came along with the preaching in his day for Christ's namesake. And he knew he must do it. There was no other option for him. While in prison, he penned his spiritual autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. Can you imagine even a title like that when you're in prison wrongfully? That grace was still abounding. He also penned the now famous The Pilgrim's Progress. And who knows whether God would call us to this kind of persecution in our day or not. But would you, like Paul and Bunyan, give yourself to God to use your life in any way that He pleases? Can God use your life? Can God take all that you are? Your health, your wealth, your status, your circumstances, and use that for His purposes? When we give ourselves to Christ, it's to be every bit of us. All that we are. Paul's mindset was whether I have a pulpit or a prison, my life is not the issue. Because he understood that there are some things greater than his own life. I think of folks who are willing to go off to war, lay down their life for a cause that's greater than themselves understanding that they are not the most important thing in the world. 
that their life is not the main issue. Listen, God often does things that don't make a whole lot of sense to us. Amen. And we don't understand how He's working. We don't understand what He's up to. And we may interpret that something awful has befallen us or something terrible has come upon somebody else. But we must learn to trust God's plans. God said of Himself in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Even though Paul's progress was not as open to the world like it once was in the past, Paul wants them to know, hey, God is still working in my life. God is still working. The gospel is still going forward. And even when it looks like somebody has been sidelined, we need to understand that God is still working. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then shall every man have praise of God. So what the Bible is telling us, don't be hasty to make a judgment. Because here's what happens. People get bitter against God because life didn't go their way. And they get mad at God, and what they need to do is pump the brakes and not judge anything before the time. But trust that God is at work. When the Lord returns, He's going to give out the rewards. It'll all be made manifest. It'll all make sense. He's going to straighten everything out. Amen? And that verse says, well, all praise God. When things in your life don't look so great, trust God. Perhaps God is trying to use your life to reach another. And so we find in the life of Paul, God orchestrates circumstances to reach the lost. 1 Timothy 2.4 says of God that He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everybody to be saved. And we must always... We must always keep this in mind when we're going through difficult times and hardships and understand that what God may be trying to do in our life is to open our eyes to somebody who has a need for the gospel. Instead of turning it inward and thinking, woe is me and it's all about me, we need to understand that there is God working behind the scenes. And He might very well be saying, hey, I want you to reach somebody. Oh, but so many, they just get down and they get bitter and they get depressed and they recoil and start blaming God. Do you believe God brings about situations to grab hold of the lost? I sure do. Just look at how God worked in the life of Joseph. I believe souls are so important to God that God would send a mighty famine in the land where the younger prodigal son was just to break them, to bring them to the place of repentance. That's what the Bible says. How about with Christ? How hopeless did Christianity look when Jesus was on the cross? The man they had followed for three and a half years, and now it probably looked as though all hope was lost. God was using the cross 
to reconcile sinners to Himself. How easy it would have been to give up. How about when God brought persecution to the early church? How easy it would be to get mad at God. This is not what I signed up for. Where are your blessings now, God? But you know what God was doing is He was forcing them to go out into the world and do what? Further the gospel. And Acts 8.4 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. In Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 21, it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenus and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. What was God's purpose in it? See people get saved. Can we say like Paul in Romans 11, 33 and 34, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been His counselor? <laughs> what are you going through tonight? It may not make sense to you. But I want you to understand God is at work to achieve to achieve His chief objective of reaching the lost. Listen, that's why He came to die. Don't you know that's at the very heart of God? God wants people to be saved and He wants to use us to reach them. And it may take uncomfortable circumstances to get us to that point. But if you'll walk with God long enough, you will be able to look back over the years taking a step back from your life and taking it all in and see that through every one of those hardships, every one of those tough circumstances, every one of those pains, God was working in your life. Amen, old timers. That's where you say amen. And we realize that God had been working that whole time. And we might even see people that God was... He began to shape us to reach this person down the road. That we might have a unique experience that talked to their situation. It may be painful and it may be confusing while you're going through it. But God is working. And if you're going to be one who can recognize this later in life, you've got to be one who stays faithful to walk with God. And then never get bitter at how God chooses to work in your life. It's for our good and His glory. Now, real quickly as I try to hurry. How about how things look nationally in America today? It it would be easy to conclude God is done with America. That all hope is now lost, but let's not have that mindset. Rather, let's understand that what God is allowing is for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, well, that doesn't make sense. I know. (laughs) But that's how He works. And you mean to tell me all this upheaval in our political world and all these riots and all this stuff that's going on and this politically correct, out of control. Not all, you mean to tell me all of this is coming to pass because God's trying to... I believe God would do it for one. Amen. But no doubt He has more in mind. We may not understand it all, but we can know for certain that God is trying to reach sinners. It's not what I would have wished for our country, but God's ways are so much higher than 
my ways. His thoughts are so much higher. And even when it may look hopeless in our nation, God is still on the throne. He is still sovereign. He is still in control. His plans are still being worked out. And perhaps, like in the early church, although albeit to a much lesser extent, perhaps God is making it uncomfortable for us in America so that we would get stirred to reach the lost. Get us back to the main thing being the main thing. I believe that's what's happening. And then as we see other Christians boldly stand for their faith, I believe it will embolden us to also stand. And next thing you know, you've got a movement. Rest assured, God is at work in America and around the world for that matter. He has a purpose for all that He does. And while it may get difficult, let's understand God is not surprised. He didn't go, oh man, the Dominion voting machines. I didn't think about that. Okay, I just went conspiracy on that one. Okay, strike that one. We'll cut it from the podcast, amen. God's not surprised. Let's just realize God wants to reach more people. Is that our heart? Is that our heart as a church? That's our theme this year. Instead of looking of all that is transpiring politically in our nation and concluding we're done for, let's get burdened for reaching the lost with the gospel while we still can. Let's remember that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Amen. As I said earlier, for about nine years, Paul seemed unstoppable. Nothing was sidelining him. God's hand was upon him. Gospel spreading, churches being planted. But guess what? Even under house arrest, God was still using Paul. He was still unstoppable. The gospel was still going forth and churches were still being strengthened. What an amazing God we serve. We cannot stop the work of God. And so all we must do is determine to trust God, get on board with what God is doing, and let's allow God to use us to further His gospel. Let's pray.